On this episode of the Magic Business Podcast, you'll hear this and more. And I think that's the goal, you know? Sometimes we get caught up where we, we're looking for this one trick in the dealer's room that's gonna change our life, and it doesn't exist, you know? It doesn't exist. There's no, there's no trick that's gonna change your game. Like, the game is you, you know? You gotta, you gotta find out why you wanna be on stage. Like, what's your story, you know? Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real life experiences and their most guarded secrets to help further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Roland Sarlot, in partnership with the magicoracle.club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge, as well as find magical shows near you. Our next guest has appeared on Sesame Street, Universal Kids, and live on tour with David Blaine, who called him the best kids magician in the world. Based in New York, Mario Marchese performs as a slapstick character specializing in upcycled props and do-it-yourself robotic creations. He's lectured at Magic Live, Penguin, and the Magic Castle, and has written the book, The Maker Magician's Handbook, which guides you through building an entire magic show from items around your home, as well as introduce you to 3D design, 3D printing, and programming. The book is even available on real-life analog shelves near you. Mario, welcome to The Magic Oracle. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thanks, Roland. It's great to have you. Mario, have you ever performed a show with no props? Oh, that's a, well, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I was challenged a couple years ago. Um, I was fortunate to work with uh, David Blaine and uh, he gave me some challenges to stand in front of an audience with just the items that are on me without touching my props, you know? And I, it was a, it was a crazy experience. And you know what? It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot, you know? Was it a frightful experience? Oh, 100%. I mean, I was beyond frightful. I was sweating. I was, you know, but it was such a beautiful thing because it forced me to come up with new bits with just my hat, a pack of cards, you know, shooting cards into my hat, creating slapstick routines on the fly. Um, uh, so it was a, but at the time, yeah, it was scary. But now looking back, I, I got some really good material out of it. It's great to be challenged and be so scared and probably be so much on the edge. And yet that challenges your creativity to come up with new material. You know, I think that's, you know, I think that's the key to like having great innovation, great inventing is what we're limited by. You know, I think that's something, you know, I, I always think about that. It's when we use everything we possibly can with what we have, it's something, a big theme in my show. I always talk about that, you know, do what you love, use what you have and have fun. And that use what you have part is so key. And uh, so, yeah, putting yourself in new situations, being a fool, you know, I, there's, a, there's some real wisdom with doing that. <laughs> <laughs> what do props offer the performer or what do props offer you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the props give you a chance to take the heat off of you, you know, as a performer, you know, like, so the idea for me, 
what my dream when I became a magician, the reason why I got into it was the whole fascination with automatons, you know, like with the whole automaton, mm -hmm. like the idea yeah. that I can step away from my suitcase and there's something that's moving mechanically and all the eyes of the audience are looking at that while I can do nothing, while my hands are free. That kind of principle uh, is what sucked me in, you know? So, so yeah, props. There's something magical, you know, about animating a prop you know so that's kind of the rabbit hole i fell in as a magician well it is magical um but what a lot of like especially mentalists would say is they don't want props on stage right they would just they don't even want a deck of cards they want nothing they just want a couple pieces of paper or pencil <laughs> and it's all about yeah. them and i think their their perspective is they're afraid that the props will take the power away from the performer and you're doing the complete opposite you're giving power to the props. Like, I, you know, I totally can understand the mentalist mindset of being completely free of props. I know there's an obsession in the magic community and that kind of <laughs> culture where it's like the less props you have, the more you can brag, you know, like packs flat, plays big, you know, that whole. Exactly. Yeah. But for me. But for me, it's more of a song, you know, like I, I have a song to sing, you know, on stage and whatever I need to create my song that can emphasize the song I'm singing. And if it has to be props, then I'm gonna utilize the props. I'm surrendering that, you know, I, a couple of years, I wouldn't have done that 10 years ago, you know, like, but I, the idea, you know, of like, like, why am I on stage? What am I trying to do, you know? So for me, I'm trying to inspire kids. That's my goal is that when the show's over, kids go home, they take things that were supposed to get thrown away. They're taping them together, building robots. You know, that stuff excites me. Then I have this real purpose. So, so yeah, for me, props are important. And the way they look are almost even more important too. <laughs> but it also sounds like you're more important with the song rather than the singer. Yeah, you nailed it. That's I couldn't have said it better, Roland. And that's the biggest. That's the big picture. That's the forty years from now picture. That's it. Is that I'm carrying a song. You know, it's like a relay race. You know, and uh, and that when my song, when my time is done, I can pass that relay and the song continues. You know, I think there's a lot of great art. It doesn't have to be magic. It can be it can be fashion. It can be painting. It can be sculpture. It can be pottery. It's the same thing. There's a th there's a theme. There's a song. There's some type of rebellion with what's happening in the moment and how we uh, showcase that rebellion in a way that creates innovation, that creates new trends, that creates new tastes. You know, so so there's definitely that kind of surrender for me. You know, and I can obviously hear the passion in your voice. So whether you get the credit or not doesn't sound like it really matters. What's important to you is that song gets, is heard by the audience and the props doesn't matter if they take over the power or not. Yeah, I mean, that's, I would like to, you know, of course, like we all have ego. We all do it because we wanna get appreciated. We wanna get elevated. We wanna get respected for what we do. So of course there's that angle too. But, 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 but for me, it's like, I found these certain elements in the world that have changed my life in a very positive way, like 3D designing, 3D printing, and microcontrollers. I can buy all these things on a budget and I can create things that look ex that act very expensive, you know? <laughs> so like the idea of like creating what you imagine, you know, that's a big, uh, that's a big, that's a big uh, melody, you know, that I try to like push, you know? And, and honestly, Roland, when I start veering away from that melody and I just start doing more flashier magic, more, 
you know, I, I start losing, uh, like people start forgetting about me, you know, <laughs> like or forgetting about the show, you know? So there's definitely that sensitivity where the audience creates the performer. Mara, how do children and adults act differently towards props? I think, I, I think that, you know, children, oh my goodness, it's like a thousand times percent differently. I mean, I think of my son, he's six <laughs> okay. years old, you know, <laughs> like I think of my son, you know, like when, when no one's watching, like he's grabbing like a broom and it's an airplane, you know, he's, you know, I hear him really loud having ninja fights with like a playing card and a pack of, you know, uh, I don't know, like pens or something, you know, what he was doing this morning. So, so the idea of play is so prevalent in a child's mind with objects and props, you know, um, I think with adults, you know, we, you know, we, what happens in my show is that the parents, like the big goal for me in my show is that the parents watch their kids laugh, you know, and then that whole wall of who I am, you know, breaks down and they laugh with their kids and they forget they're at a kid's show, you know, <laughs> like, you know, that's the big moment for me, you know, is, uh, is that these props come alive, you know, and they're playing the same game that their kids are playing and we're all playing it together, you know? Well, I saw you at Magic Live, uh, your lecture as well as perform, and obviously there's no kids there. And so you, you know, to soften everybody up, you ask everybody to act like a kid or think, think like a kid. Now I think very soon when there's a monkey, <laughs> you know, moving and clapping and, and being silly, all the adults seem to me that they loved it. And I'm sure the kids love it too, but, but do the kids, do the adults break down as quickly as the kids when they have these, these funny props? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, Magic Live is a great example too. Like, you know, just the age 4 to 6 years old, what they laugh at, what they appreciate, what is magical to them is so different from kids that are 7 to 9 years old, you know? Like, and then it's like so because kids' brains they're developing right before their eyes. Like grown-ups after you're an adult, that's it. You know, there there's so much flexibility happening in a child's life, you know? So there's so much stuff shifting and they're growing. So yeah, like I'm definitely a big part the heart of my show, big heart of it is is tapping into these very specific age ranges, you know, with the with the props I have. You know, like Marcel you know, that four, five, six-year-olds, they're really laughing when the can gets knocked over, the ball gets knocked over, you know. And then what happens is that fuels the older kids seeing that it's completely homemade. It's, it's something that I programmed myself and they fall into the play too where they can laugh at those things that normally they wouldn't laugh at, you know. So yeah, it's definitely like, for me, I you know, especially for children performers everywhere, we all know that when we do a kid's show, it's like street performing. You know, you got to throw your set list out the window. You know, like you have your set list, but you're going to break the rules depending on how it goes. You know, if that makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. You just got to go with that flow, however they're going. In. Definitely. So where do you get your ideas? Do you start with the magic first or the technology first for your props? Um, right now, currently for me, you know, I, I really search for technology. Like I, I check out blogs. I have a very specific set list of blogs and YouTube channels that I always try to keep updated with what's happening in the DIY maker movement. Are there any new products coming out that I could hack? Um, and I love like dollar store props five below. Like I love buying cheap electronics. Always. I'm always on the prowl looking for cheap junk that uh, is battery powered. And uh, if I can find, 
you know, like, like for example, I built right now a sloth bot. It's a little rope. <laughs> it's a, it's a little, it's a, it's a, it's a rope climbing robot. So if you Google like rope climbing robot, you'll see a bunch of them. And uh, it was such a fun challenge for me, like to make a robot that can crawl across a zipline rope, you know? And so now I'm adapting it into a magic trick, you know? So it, it is technology first for you, which probably opens up new magic tricks, obviously, versus starting with an old cups and balls and trying to see how you can animate it. Well, yeah. So basically, it's like, you know, when you learn the guitar, you learn the structure of the song. I always say this verse, chorus, bridge. It's the same thing with core principles of magic. You learn these classics, cups and balls, Eugene Berger's Spongeball routine, Whit Hayden's four ring routine. You learn these core principles, why they work, and then you free yourself from them. You know, you explore. So like this little sloth bot, you know, it's just a bot that grows across a rope. But now it delivers my magic wand, you know, during my show. So like, you know, I, I mime it. I added some other stuff to it where I can create slapstick comedy, the silver scepter, you know, uh, you know, uh, the all these wand gags that are products that you can buy at magic shops. I 3D printed the, the similar uh, the similar uh, products into into to fit my style and to fit the sloth bot, you know. So everything that I use in my show might look all hodgepodge and crazy but really i'm always relying on the shoulders of great our great performers before us that have created uh great uh magic with certain props well you said you buy you said even i think under five dollar props oh yeah what freaks me out when, when you talk about something that's five bucks is this thing breaking in the middle of a show so what do you do if it the prop stops working do you have backups do you have outs do you just go to the next trick where, where do you go when disaster hits Oh, you'd have a great laugh. Like we have like an Airstream camper that we take on tour. Like one of the drawers has like, has like 14 grab claws that I got at like five below. And like the grab claws, they're kind of like those old, um, uh, it looks like a gun, but it, 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 it has like a suction cup and an extender, like a, some type of inspector gadget kind of plastic toy. And I have one bit with it where it catches on my nose. I scream really loud. I get a laugh. They constantly break. So I bought a case of them. So they're in our Airstream. <laughs> I got like 14 of them. Most magicians have one or two backups. You have 14. <laughs> well, it depends how cheap the item is. That one's a real cheap one. So <laughs> Never heard that before, but okay. So you've been singing the praises of combining electronics with props for a long time. Uh, you wave that yeah. flag very high. What is the biggest benefit of doing that? I think for me, the biggest benefit is that that, you know, that whole principle of like, if you, you can't open it, you don't own it, you know? And I, and I love the idea of using products and props that we have around our house that we label as just this one function prop, like a TV remote, you know? So what about the idea of like, that? did you know that you can hack infrared and add it to a microcontroller and make a robot react to your TV remote? You know, that's a powerful principle for a child or for anybody to realize you've been using a TV remote for 20 years that you can actually easily hack it into another piece of electronic equipment and turn things on and off, you know, <laughs> like, so that's the, that's, what's the joy for me is like showcasing, Hey, these things that we forget about, 
that we can actually do more with, you know, I like Roland, I'm crazy. Like I sewed my own jeans, you know, it took me five tries. I spent six months doing that. Why did I do that? Because I wore jeans my whole life. I never understood how jeans work. You know, like I wanted to learn. I, like when you build something, when you make something, it frees your mind. When you understand something, it gives you freedom, you know? And so for me, that's a very important aspect of my life and, and in my show. Well, it also helps when the props do break whether it's on stage yeah, or not, right. you can fix them. Right. You don't have to right. send them back that's to the right. shop or some, some builder that's or anything true. like that. And you probably have all the tools backstage. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other podcast. I have like a maker space in a backpack that I take with me everywhere. Yeah. So you are turned on by these animated props. Something else that you do with your props is your props have a theme. They all have a similar, uh, uh, they look like you. They look like you made them, you probably did, but they look like yeah. they come from out of your home and they're not silver rings that you bought for $800. Right, yeah. No, why do you make them look like trash? <laughs> well, the recycled parts, a lot of them are trash. Uh, it's a great question. And you, and give I, them, I, you give them love. And I'm, glad, so, yeah. and I'm glad you said that word. I'm glad because, because that to me is the definition where all great art comes from. It comes from the bottom and it grows from the bottom and it comes all the way up from the bottom always. So like, you know, for me, that's why I talk about Andy Warhol, you know, the idea of like a tomato can that's, you know, all of a sudden now it's become iconic. This is something that was at a grocery store. We see every day, like a bottle cap. You know, I have a bottle cap award ribbon in my show for a reason. It's not a gold award. It's a bottle cap award. You know, there's, there's a symbol. That symbol is accessibility. Like, like that's the whole point is that, is like utilizing the things we have. We can create great things with what we have, you know? And uh, so, yeah, they all look like they're about to fall apart because my goal is at the end of my show, I want kids to go home and not feel threatened by my show and the fact that like, oh my goodness, I wish I had thousands of dollars to buy this fancy glossy thing that he did where he levitated, you know, that, you know, one of the greatest compliments I ever got was from a child in Ohio that saw me at New York City Maker Fair. And he's like, he yelled at his mom. He said, you know what I'm going to do after Mario's show? I'm going through the trash and I'm making a magic show. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's super cute. I love it. You know, I love it. And in a way, you're, you're teaching them how to see magic. 100%. With 100%. your props. I've been really lucky this year. I've had my first book, you know, Maker Magician's Handbook through Make.co, through Make Magazine. And and I, first kit, first Arduino kit, I have a Chomperbot kit through Make this year. And I'm just excited because these are all accessible things. And then it's also all my quirky, crazy robot that you can build at home, you know. And uh, you had a previous guest, Michael Tricks, and he built a Chomperbot. It made me so happy because he's never programmed before, you know. And I just love that, you know. He built this little toy, you know. You're an evangelist. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's so can right. you give us some ideas, uh, maybe some creative ideas on how to improve props we may already have? Magicians have drawers around the house with tons of props they're not using. They're always buying something new. Any ideas how to how to recycle some of the props that we already have around the house? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been doing a lot of consulting, my wife and I, with other performers and magicians. And I think like one of the big things is like, you can take something like the hippity hop rabbits that we all know, all the bits are there, all the comedy's there, and and you could just change them. Like I painted Charlie Chaplin instead, and he had two different color hats, like a blue and yellow hat. That changed the whole trick. 
Like all of a sudden now, like all the people that see like five, six different magicians in New York City throughout the year, it's a brand new trick to the same kids that seen the hippity hop rabbits previously, you know? And not only that, <laughs> it liberates me, you know? Cause I believe in the props too, because I love Charlie Chaplin. I love, so I get more excitement when I hold those props and when I speak about those props and when I perform with those props. Does that make sense? When people are excited about something, it doesn't matter, dude. I was at a show where the lighting guy at this theater in Pennsylvania, he kept talking about new lights. I keep talking about this story. He was driving me nuts because I just wanted to set up the show. And within 10 minutes, I'm standing there with my arms on my side looking at these lights. And I'm like, yeah, you're damn right. Those are really awesome lights. You know, like I don't care about stage lights, but he made me care, you know, because of how much he cared about them. And that's contagious. It's contagious. And that's what people, that's what the audience wants. You know, they want to see, they, they want to see someone who's excited about, about what they're doing, you know, like, I, because if you're not excited about it, it's hard to get people excited too, you know? Absolutely. As you know, all the magic business podcasts can be heard on the magicoracle.club. However, today you are our guest Oracle, that special person with great wisdom and insight. So I'd like to ask you, Oracle Mario, what's the <laughs> most important question someone should ask you, but never does? I, I, you know, this is a, this is a heavy question. I, I, <laughs> I, you know what? I think when it comes to magicians and we're at magic convention, magic related stuff where I'm talking to other magicians, I think the big question I wish magicians would ask me would be like, what do I love outside of magic? You know, like, what is it that I love so much outside of the whole magic scene and magic community? And, and uh, because what happens is that opens a big door where we can start talking about all the things that are excited that have nothing to do with magic. And that's, and, and that led me when I started thinking like that, that led me to, to create these robots with the aesthetics of what I love. So I can have that same excitement as that stage hand, you know, when he's talking about the lights, I love Ed Roth. I love, I love the whole rat thing culture. So like my robots, I started making them in homage to the, to the art that I love. And I built a little robot lamp, you know, after uh, the Pixar lamp. And, and it's a tomato can, a Campbell's soup can, because I love Andy Warhol, you know. So, so these things outside of magic actually is, are the things that actually helped elevate what I do so that I can be a better performer and be excited more on stage and believe in what I'm saying and, 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 and understand my story. So, so I think the question for me really is that I hope that people ask, especially the magicians are like, what do, what do I love outside of magic? Maybe there's another musician in the house, another guitar player that I can jam with, you know? And it sounds like that just feeds you back again anyway by going after what you do love and it feeds you for love and you keep making this cycle to keep building and building and building. Well, that, and I think that's the goal, you know, is, is, is how do we, why do we spend that money to go to Magic Live? Why do we spend all that money to sit to these lectures? It's, it, we want to be inspired, you know? I think sometimes we get caught up where we, we're looking for this one trick in the dealer's room that's going to change our life. And it doesn't exist, you know? It doesn't exist. There's no, there's no trick that's going to change your game. Like, the game is you, you know? You got you to gotta find out why you want to be on stage. Like, what's your story, you know? And, and I, I don't know my story yet. Like, I'm still trying to find it. But I do know the things that I love right now. And the things that I love right now that I put into my show are the strongest things that the audience reacts to because it's current. It's right now, you know? Mario, thanks for your enthusiasm, your experience, and your honesty. Thanks so much for having me, Roland. This has been absolutely epic. <laughs> And thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit themagicoracle.club 
where you can hear all the Magic Business podcast interviews and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge, as well as find living magic shows near you. Today, we'll leave you with a quote from fighter pilot, spy, and the creator of Willy Wonka and other great stories, Roald Dahl, who wrote, those who do not believe in magic will never find it. As always, we at the Magic Oracle wish you great success finding magic on your path in the magical arts. Thank you.